Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what an honor, what a delight uh, to be able to greet all our listeners, uh, those of you who have been following us uh, from the beginning uh, over the last few days, or maybe you may be joining us for the first time. Maybe somebody told you about this program, this podcast. Maybe somebody uh, asked you to listen to it, and this is your first time. We are delighted that you take out of your time to join us today on this very, very special week that we call Easter, Jews call Passover. Uh, this is uh, very telling. And uh, I-, I wanted to take a moment before we, we jump into our um, study of the word. You know, I really invite you and I pray that you follow us in the next couple of days. You know, we, we're going to make our way to his death, burial, and resurrection but I believe that in these next uh, couple of days, we are going to see some things that God is revealing. And uh, we have been using for the last uh, couple of days, the last few days, the last week or more, we have been using actually, yeah, almost 10 days ago. We we began, the Lamarty began on the journey on the story of Lazarus, which is where the Lord has had us uh, the last days, the last few weeks. And using that story to speak of what is taking place today. So we pray that, that you join us in this Passover week every day as we enter into, uh, you know, his death, burial, and resurrection. It's, it's powerful because just, it seems just like yesterday, we began to, to just, went, we went on the, uh, uh, this podcast and just trying to answer some questions. And can you believe me, my brothers, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremiah, that we're almost now three weeks three weeks into this? It's wow. amazing how fast time has passed. We're entering almost three weeks. And we just simply began trying to answer, but we've been trying to answer the questions, fears, and doubts of the people. But we know that the Lord is in it, and we are on this journey. And I'm excited about what God is going to be showing us this week. So, Brother Marty, I'll... I'll leave it with you. I welcome the panel, Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremiah, and it's good to be with you, Brother Marty, and I'll let you take it from here. Praise the Lord. We're excited about today and and, uh, entering this most holy of of weeks as as the world reflects on on the the death, the burial, and the resurrection of of the one, the only true Savior of mankind, the Lord Jesus Christ. And and I, I, I I was thinking about that this morning or last night sometime, and I was I was marveling as I thought about it at the fact that 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 never in in my lifetime, which I you know I'm almost sixty, like I said, um, not about a year from now or so I'll be about sixty years old. Um, never in my sixty years coming up here have I ever seen a time where Easter or Passover arrives and and all the churches in our country are closed. Right. You know? Right. And so we've been talking about how these kinds of events with these kinds of historical uh, things that we're seeing, for instance, all the churches being closed, the, the nation is on lockdown, the world is, is experiencing an incredible uh, pandemic, um, all of it occurring at the Passover season, at Easter time. It's, it, it's carried into Easter time. And, and we've been teaching, you know, how the Bible teaches you know, that we need to reflect on events like this in order to understand our time. And we're talking to, to those of you who, who are hungering 
for the word of God to understand uh, we're seeking to reveal that which the Lord is revealing to us, which is that as a body of Christ as a whole, we're being dealt with in this country and around the world. But primarily now, because we live here, we're focusing on this country, on our nation and the churches within it. And and, and I believe, as as do my brothers, that, that a separation is beginning to take place, that the events of this, of, of this virus, this sickness, this death, um, what's going to be produced out of it, and what's already beginning to take place is that the Spirit of God is, is calling forth uh, to a Lazarus-type church, right, the Lazarus effect, uh, that yes. out of death will, will come life. But the kind of life that's going to come out of it will be a, a seriously circumspect church and a, a church that will separate from those who have truly been impacted by <clears throat> by these events, and it has worked within their spirit a true, true change, a resurrection, if you will, um, by the power of the Lord. We're not going to be the same coming out of this, and we're all going to either be one way or the other, and that's what we were putting forth yesterday is that uh, we were focusing on the act of Mary and what what that produced was a fragrance filled the house when she anointed Jesus' feet just before Passover week. And that fragrance um, exposed Judas and his heart. And in Matthew 26 and in Mark 14, we see that it also troubled the other disciples. Um, it wasn't, ex we weren't talking just about the, tw uh, the 12 apostles there. We're talking about, there were many disciples that were following Jesus. You know, they were, they were, they were hangers on, you know, they were the, uh, they were the, uh, you know, can remember at one time he sent out 70, right? you know, uh, right. so, there was, there was, so when, it, when we see disciples, we're not necessarily talking about the other 11 apostles, although it may have included them, uh, but it doesn't mention them by name. But there were others that were in the room <clears throat> that when Mary begins to anoint Jesus' feet uh, and the fragrance of God uh, or the fragrance of, of that act filled the house. Um, that Judas was exposed, and he goes out into the night, and he, and like we said yesterday, he represents that that church that will fall away. So we believe that coming out of this pandemic, what we're going to witness, and 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 preceding it, what what is happening by the Spirit of God, is that all along God really has been working on people. It's not just the pandemic that has produced it, because if if the truth be told there has been a progression and a process of God dealing with his people all along the way. And it's this that has now caused us to even go deeper. There are those who don't know how to be alone, and neither do they know or recognize when God is moving. I'm talking about God's church people, right? I mean, they, 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 they don't know. you know. So they're inundating themselves right. with, with popcorn and Netflix right now when they should be – spending time with God and asking right. what, what's going on. Right? So, so anyway, so we believe, okay, as we go into this, that, that there is something yet, because we believe the Spirit of God wants to reveal something today. And then we're going to go back and look again. It's really profound because this is rare, you know, that the Lord would take us, you know, the, on our fourth hour talking about this event because because what Mary did um, was so profound and so full of prophetic uh, type and shadow and foreshadow 
that we need to dig in there. And, and, and so we've, we've talked about it in many different ways, but there's one thing that we need to understand. Because remember, we talked about when she wipes Jesus' feet with her hair, and, and those of you who are following us in John chapter 12, uh, verse 3, it says that she anoints his feet, and then she wipes them with her hair. And we talked about how the Bible teaches that the glory of a woman um, is her hair right her hair is 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 her glory and so the act of mary wiping the feet of jesus with her hair is representative of a glorious church and we talked about for those of you who are just joining us today i'd encourage you to go back and listen to the last three or four podcasts which will lead up to today but that yes. in the other yeah in the other gospel accounts of this event <clears throat> we saw that uh that that john doesn't mention everything and in order to get a full picture of this event uh you have to go over to matthew and you have to go over to mark so it'd be in matthew 26 or mark 14 that you can find additional information of what was going on in the house but there's a key component missing in john's account and there's reasons for that but i'm just bringing it out to for those of you who have just joined us that before mary anointed the feet of jesus she anointed his head with the same same ointment and what we talked about was that we believed that these were these were two prophetic anointings first the head then the feet we talked about how that the lord on earth represented the entirety of the body of christ because he was the body of christ he is christ and there was no church until he rose from the dead once he rose from right. the dead he became the head of the church we became his body so when she's anointing Christ, she's literally anointing all of us, in a sense, if you can see it, because Christ was reflective of the whole body all in one. But the two anointings occur first with the head, then with the feet. And so in saying that, what we believe the Spirit of God is revealing is, is that what was being what was being uh, portrayed in the actual act of anointing his head because Jesus goes on in John chapter 12, verse 7, to say that she did it for his burying, is that the head would be the first part that would have to suffer and die. And so she, he said it. He said, she's anointing me for my burying. And then, and, then, and then when we get to John's account of it, he talks about her anointing his feet. The other two stories don't, but this one does. And, and we were putting forth the prophetic premise that the feet represent the last part of the body of Christ just before the second coming of the Lord. And by anointing the head and then the feet, something is being spoken to us by the Holy Spirit that we need to take note of. And what we have put forth is that is that when, when Mary anointed his feet, in essence, what was being told us by the Spirit is that from the head to the feet, the whole, you know, there's a whole body in between the head and the feet and so in essence if you can see it and some of you you know you're not used to this kind of thing but it's it's scriptural you just study and listen to what we've been saying uh by the grace of god humbly <laughs> uh that that from the head to the feet the in-between represents the history of the church if you can see it but what's right. being told us in the anointing of the feet is that something different 
and, and, and the whole history of the body leading to the feet was going to culminate in something different. The feet representing the last part of the body of Christ. And, 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 and this is just before the Passover. And so we've been putting forth uh, a, a, an idea, a concept, a prophetic insight, we believe, that what God is going to bring out of this pandemic and this sickness is, is, a, is a church that will become that final end-time body of Christ, and, and that in the act of Mary wiping his feet with her hair after the pouring forth of the ointment and the house filling with the fragrance, that that is speaking of a glorious church, because the woman's hair is her glory, the feet is the final part of the body of Christ, we believe the Spirit is saying that what's going to emerge coming out of this and develop in the next few years, because there's yet Scripture to be fulfilled, that a glorious church is coming out of this. Now, with all that premise in mind, there's there's yet a little bit to, to the glean here. And let's take a look at it. Because before she wipes her 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 his feet with her hair, our attention is drawn to in verse chapter twelve, verse three, to what she anointed his feet with. And and it says here that Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiping it wiping his feet with her hair, and the whole house is filled with the odor of the ointment, the fragrance. But before our attention is drawn to the wiping of uh, of the anointing of his feet a revelation is given to us here of what she what she anointed his feet with now take a look at this it says mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard these are two different components now the ointment and you can look it up yourself ointment the the ointment part of the spikenard, the two were mixed together. The ointment is myrrh. It's myrrh. And spikenard we'll get into in a second here. And I've laid this extensive review so that we can understand something. The Spirit of God never reveals anything except everything is done perfectly in an order. In other words, when you go to the Scripture and you see a progression of anything or a list given, uh, then we need to pay attention because what's being revealed is process. Right. Before, right. So what what we're being told here, what this final body of Christ will be like, what will literally come upon it, is going to have first, before the glory can appear and the fragrance come forth, is is that the feet have to be anointed by ointment and spikenard, myrrh and spikenard. Now, what this is telling us is, is, is the process by which glory and fragrance is going to be produced because this is all wrapped up in this one beautiful act of Mary. Now, remember this. The scripture reveals to us taking Mary as representing an end-time church, if you will, this last remnant church, this glorious church, what was one of the things that was pointed out to us about Mary in one of the famous accounts in the gospel, 
was that Jesus came to their house earlier on in his ministry, remember? And he sits down and, and he's, he's going to have a lunch with them or something like that. And, and Martha is in the kitchen and she's just, you know, working her, her tail off trying to get, you know, food out and set the table. There's all these guys are here, right? You know, and Jesus is here too. And she gets upset because her sister's not in the kitchen helping her. And she comes out right. and she, and she talks to Jesus, right? And she says, tell, tell this girl to get up and come help me. Mm-hmm. But Jesus says, she says of Mary, right? And and where was she sitting? At his feet, right? He says of her, he says, uh, he says, uh, Martha, you're 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 so distracted by so many things. He says, but Mary has chosen the best part. Well, what was she doing? What was Jesus doing? He was teaching, right? So while Jesus is teaching the word, she's more concerned about serving the table. And 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 I'm not downing on Martha here, but what I am saying is that Jesus draws our attention to Mary. So what was it that she was doing? It's interesting the position where she was at was at his feet. Again, a right. signal by the Holy Spirit that the feet of Jesus or the last part of the body of Christ, that it's going to be a bride that that first falls in love with him by what he teaches. In other words, they love the word. They love the word of God. So Mary is indicative of those who love God's word. God has been schooling and bringing along in this final day that we're living in a whole host of people who love his word. And they're not comfortable being around uh, the Martha church at that time, right? Which is so cumbered about doing stuff, right? We're building buildings where we've got a feeding program going, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's, you know, we're planting churches everywhere. Now, none of those things are bad. He didn't rebuke her for that. But what he said was at this time, what is the most vital important thing is that you, is that you come and hear my word. Let me minister to you what it is I want to minister to. And Mary sitting at his feet represents the the the, the end time uh, last part of the body of Christ who will be absolutely taught by the Lord in his word. The next time Amen. we see him at the next time we see him her at his feet, uh, she's not just sitting there. Now she's absolutely on her knees in the lowest, most humble place you can be right because she ends up you know you, if you're sitting up or even sitting indian style right you can't really anoint his feet and, and, and use your hair it speaks of an absolute surrender and and uh and, and 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 it's about as low as you can get right she's actually down at the lowest way she can be and begins to wipe her his feet with her hair producing a fragrance and a glory so it begins with mary at his feet listening to the word it ends with Mary on her on her face, worshiping him and anointing his feet. And this is the progression that God has been bringing the body of Christ to. So we come to this because we are being told that in the not too distant future, a, 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 a glorious church is going to emerge, but it's going to be a church that is required to endure to go through tribulation, to go through persecution. And if you don't think that's so, then you don't know your Bible. And because right. the Lord, the early church went through the very same thing. 
the early church went through a persecution, went through a suffering. And if we think that, that we here in this, this backslidden American church ain't going to have to go through anything, you've got another thing coming. Because the truth oh, right. of the matter is, is that the Lord has, has, has warned us all along and, and has wanted us to understand that the way to heaven is by the way of the cross, right? You take up your cross and you follow me. Now listen to this. <clears throat> so it is, in, it is important to understand before the hair wipes the feet, before the odor fills the house, there must be the proper ointment and spike and nard applied to the, to the body of Christ. This is where, if you can receive it, in some sense, the act of Mary anointing the feet is almost a representative of the beauty of the Holy Spirit and what the work of the Spirit is going to be upon the feet or the last part of the body of Christ in our time. So Mary is almost a reflection, if you will, and you can receive it, of the Spirit in this very act. The feet being the last part of the body of Christ, that when the Spirit's ministry over the last part of the body of Christ, the church of the living God, is complete, it will be a glorious church, and it will fill the house with the fragrance of what it's become, perfectly prepared for what is just ahead of it, and in not too many days, uh, a reunion with her bride, right, with her, with her bridegroom. Now, so what we're going to focus on is what we believe is not only what is ahead of us, but the process that's going to be necessary to bring us into that spiritual strength and glorious church uh, reality that produces a fragrance that will cause us to endure all the way to the end. Now, yes. it's, it's important that we understand. So in my research, <clears throat> what I found was that the ointment that's spoken of here in John chapter 12, verse 3, is myrrh. And as I began to go study the properties of myrrh and how it applies to what is going to become a glorious church, and you might find yourself in this somewhere in the process because this process is going to be necessary because what we see in, in that which is applied to the, to the feet, the final part of the body of Christ, is a revelation of what that feet is going to reflect, what that last remnant church is going to reflect. And also what Mary was doing, whether she understood it or not, we are told it is a very costly ointment and spikenard. And so this is not something that comes any other way but at great cost. Even like what, what King David told uh, Aruna, right, the Jebusite, when the plague broke out in Jerusalem and, and the Lord said, you, you know, you need to go over here and, and buy this this mountaintop, right, which became Zion, which became Mount Moriah, really, and it was owned by Ornan, the Jebusite. Remember, and the angel was standing there with his sword and 70,000 people had died. Do you remember that story, yeah. brother? Yeah. And, and yeah, David yeah. And, 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 and Ornan tells David, hey, just take it. But what did David say? He said, I will not offer. offer to the Lord anything that didn't cost, cost me nothing. Right? That's right. So we see this component. It's going to cost you something. Now, here's where a lot of, you know, back of the buggy Christians get off, right? Or, you know, yeah. I, used to ride, I used to ride the RTD when I was, uh, you know what the RTD is? <laughs> <laughs> the buggy. 
Yeah, the rapid <laughs> transit district. Or I used to ride that stupid bus everywhere when I was a teenager, right? In, in L.A. And then whenever you wanted to get off, man, you just reached up and grabbed that little thing and, and ding, 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 ding. And you let the driver know, I got to get off right now, right? And he'd pull right. right over and open up that, that door and you'd get out. Well, this is where most of the Christians riding in the back of the bus, when you begin to talk to them about this kind of stuff, they reach up and start dinging that bell and say, I want to get off right here, man. This is too, <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> it's too hard. <laughs> Help me. Help me, Lord. Right? But see, yeah. but, but what we don't realize is this is the path to glory. This is the path to everlasting this is yes. the path to that new heaven and that new earth. So so what we see here is it's a very costly thing. It's going to cost us everything. It's going to cost you everything. Everything that you've ever thought uh, or dreamed of or whatever, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a dream, an aspiration, a desire. We all do. But we're talking about something different here. We're talking about the absolute complete surrendering of a heart, of a mind, of a life, a life that was apportioned to each and every one of us when we came into this world. Consciousness, existence, being, who you are. What is happening is that God is sending out his voice. And by that voice, he's trying to, to call you forth, to call me forth out of the lie of this temporary existence. It is the devil, the Bible tells us, who literally has cast a veil over the world so that human existence gets whittled down, if you will, to a horizontal plane. In other words, People never look up. That's why I love Brother Jeremy always ends the podcast, keep looking up. Because you can get so wrapped up and so focused on what is in front of you, which, by the way, is passing away, that you completely become enraptured in the sound of the world, and you can't hear the high calling of God. Mary chose that good part. This end-time remnant bride, this glorious church, has been choosing that good part so that they that have come into this pandemic who have been walking with God, they're not afraid. As a matter of fact, their spirits have come alive because they're beginning to see, my goodness, after 2,000 years of church history, has it really fallen to us? Are we that generation which will be alive and remain and be caught up to meet them in the cloud. You know what I'm saying? I mean, has it come to us? And there is a sense within this Mary-like church, this, this glorious church that's being produced by the Spirit of God, that indeed we have reached this time. And as a result of that, an anointing is about to take place. An anointing must take place before a Calvary, before a Gethsemane, before a Calvary and before a resurrection. And the same that happened to the head will happen to the feet, which is our time. And so that's what we're looking at here. It's a costly thing because Paul called it the fellowship of his suffering. And in my research, the first component that we need to consider, because this is what the feet is, be, is being anointed with, is it, is it contains myrrh. 
And as I went and, 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 and researched myrrh, I began to just be blown away as the Spirit of God began to say, see, because this was what the Spirit represented by Mary, if you can see it, was applying to the feet, which represents the final part of the body of Christ, and, 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 and the fellowship that the, the head and the feet will have in such a unique way. Even though the whole body has always had that, there's something unique about the head and the feet relationship here. And I think that's why John pointed it out. But listen to this. So the ointment is myrrh. And I was asking, you know, in my research, I would ask the question, uh, well, how is myrrh produced? Well, the first thing we need to understand is that it's a, it's a key component in Mary's worship. So it has to be with ours. We have to have this same uh, component. There's two now. There's myrrh, ointment, and spikenard. But we're going to focus on the myrrh real quick. What is myrrh, and where does it come from? In my research, I began to see it's a tree. And if you can go Google all this, man, it's not, it's not like a state secret or anything. You know, it's a tree. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tree, okay? It's a particular kind of tree. It's grown primarily in Africa in, 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 the, in the desert area. And, and it, what's interesting about the tree is it's 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 a, when the branches grow out, all the branches have these really long, thorny bristles on them, thorns. So it's a tree that has thorns. And so what Mary was, oh my God, I feel his presence. What 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 will come upon the bride as she begins to enter into his fellowship is an awareness of that of that cross, because that's really what it represents, is the tree of thorns are like the thorns that was put on Jesus's head. And that tree uh, is representative of the cross, right? And, 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 and the myrrh is in it, but there's only one way. Lord, help me. Glory to God. There's only one way to get the myrrh out of the tree, right? And 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 that means and what they used to do, brothers, is they'd go and they 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 whip the tree. They mm. they whip the tree. They bruise it. They they slash yes. it. And that's the only way that this precious myrrh comes out of it. And it's a picture of the Lord. Remember, the head was anointed first. What the Spirit was revealing in that act is that this beautiful. Jesus sitting at the table on the eve of Passover is about to endure something, a cross. He'll be crowned with thorns, and something precious is going to come out of it. But the only way for that precious myrrh to come out of it is he's going to have to endure a severe beating because that's what produces the myrrh. And so he was bruised for our iniquity. It releases droplets of sap as they come out of the bruising. And, it, and those, those initial droplets, they're called by those who harvest myrrh, they're called the droplets of tears. Mm. You know, a man acquainted with bitterest grief, right? He sweat and cried out to the Father in Gethsemane, as it were, great drops of blood. He wept before the Lord. But what's beautiful as well is one of the one of the uses of myrrh is that they say is that it has tremendous healing properties. In other words, it's a great thing for medicine. 
And that reminded me of by his stripes, we are healed. Yes. And so in the act of the first component of this glorious church is that we will enter into a similar experience. Jesus became that myrrh, that healing property by way of, of, of a beating he took, right? He suffered the thorns. But when Paul talks about it, he calls it the fellowship of his suffering. And in Mary's first component, and it must be your component and my component, we cannot come to him except by way of his cross. And so anything that was going to produce the glory and the fragrance in a relationship with Christ must exclusively be based first on identifying with what he did for us on Calvary. Amen. And understanding the great price that was paid mm. in what he did and what he endured. Yeah. Now, it's interesting what we can learn when we focus on this end-time church out of this. Because the head was anointed, then the feet. It speaks of the fellowship of his suffering. But there's other things we can learn from the myrrh that must be applied to our life before the fragrance and the glory is produced. Understand this, that the wound on the tree bark, it has to penetrate the wood. It cannot be a surface, you know, just kind of barely hit it, right? I mean, it has to dig deep. See, that's what the Lord endured for us. He was marred beyond any recognition. Well, in our fellowship with that and what we learn from the first component of Mary is something very profound. See, the bark is like the outside of our life. It's like the flesh part of us, right? It's, it's that We talk about flesh and spirit. And many people think that they can just serve the Lord as, as, as an unwounded tree, so to speak. But you'll mm. never have the deep fellowship with him if you remain an unwounded tree, you must enter into that fellowship with him. You must, or you cannot have any part of him. Like Brother Jeremy talked about a couple podcasts ago, which was so profound that he brought it up, is that when Jesus hit them right between the eyes and said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And, and, they, and they couldn't handle it. They said, this is too deep. This is a hard saying. And they went away. Right. But he said, man, what I'm talking to you about is my words. They are spirit. Right. They are life. He was referencing his cross. He said, unless you first come to me by way of my cross, you have no part of me. We have no fellowship. Mary began at his feet hearing his word. He, she allows that complete revelation of it to happen. And, and now She's adding this component to her act of worship to him. This is what is we're being called to. Understand the bark on the outside of the tree, it has to be hit in such an, an extent that it causes a, a deep wound. And, and, and yes. what, is, what does this teach us? It, it teaches us that, <laughs> that, that we have to allow the corrective hand of God to penetrate our flesh that you will never produce anything that is that is that that is suitable for 
fellowship with Christ that doesn't cost you something. It's not a fun thing to die to yourself, but die we must. And this is a daily battle. The wound has to penetrate the bark. See, so many preachers over the last 10, 20, 30 years, they've, they've strayed so far from the true gospel. Oh, sure, they've built big churches and big ministries and everything's just happy and we've got schools and we've got harvest festivals. I mean, you know, we've got rock concerts, you know, skateboard cars. We've got all that stuff. And the whole time you haven't even got close to penetrating the bark. Wow. It's, it's yeah. flesh. And yeah. because of it, you have no true fellowship with Christ, and much of that's being exposed right now. But God is calling a church that has a revelation of it. To some, it's a horrible thing to even think about. Oh, my God, that's just way too extreme for me. Well, I think Calvary was extreme. What about you? Don't tell mm. me God is an extreme. God mm. still loved the world. He gave his only son. You couldn't get more extreme than having somebody do what they did to Jesus and hang him on a cross. That's about as extreme as you can get. And if you think that you're going to come to his son any other way, but by what he did for you, which requires process, you're kidding yourself and your religion is vain, empty, and foolish. Yes. The Brother Marty. Yes, go ahead. There's an aspect of myrrh, too, that the Hebrews call it, that myrrh has a bitter taste to it, a bitter taste. And and what I see in that is, which goes along with what you're saying, in, in America, we, pre- we present this gospel of just glorious, the perfume, right, the mirror, the feel, the place, and so forth. But we don't give them the aspect of the bitterness. It's also bitter. There's a right. bitter taste to it. It's, you know, a, there's a, that bitter taste represents, you know, the, the process of coming into a fellowship, this fellowship that you're talking about, right? The sufferings yeah. of Christ. But I just wanted to bring that out, that in the Hebrew, yes, and, Mary refers exactly. to a bitter taste. And and this is this is the thing that where most where most believers or or religious pretenders, and and all of us have been there. So I'm not laying a trip on anybody, man. I've I've been through this, and we go through this daily, right? Because Christ said what. You take up your cross daily. This has to be a repeated thing. It's not just one smack and it's done. It's a continual beating. As a matter of fact, as we get into this and look at this really quickly, you're going to see that it's through repeated beating that the that the that the beauty of the of, of of the myrrh comes out and something happens. But let's just finish here. You're right. You cannot have fragrance without bitterness. You cannot have life without death. Right. And and, and look. If you can't hear it by the Spirit, those of you that are listening, just take time and pray about it. Because we ain't preaching a beat-you-up religion here. We're talking to you deeply by the Spirit. It is a working of the Spirit that begins to penetrate the flesh so he can get to the preciousness of what's really been invested in you before the foundation of the world. Because that's what Paul said. According as we have been chosen in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should walk holy and without blame before him in love, right? Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. How? By his dear son, by the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will. So what's happening to you, what's happening to every child of God, 
has been predetermined, if you will, for lack of a better word, has already been seen by the Father in the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Mary doing this thing and adding this component to the act of her worship at his feet is, is, is symbolic of that which occurred even before there was a world. It is so profound, and we don't have the time to dig into it today, but we could literally spend the rest of our life talking about this myrrh because it, it has its, its origin in the dateless past before the foundation of the world. Now, it's the penetrating of the bark. Of course, this is our Lord. That's what happened to him, right? But in our fellowship with him, it teaches us if we want the fellowship of his sufferings, this is what it's going to mean. It, it, our flesh has to be penetrated because what he's searching for is the precious ointment of the life that he always has intended you and me to live and the destiny he's always intended for us to fulfill. And the road to get there is by way of the cross. Now listen, he says, he says, uh, also, you know, our, our experience in him, it has to go beyond the flesh, right? I mean, that's what we learn by the penetrating of the bark. You know, in order to dig out the most precious part of you and me, which is spirit and life, it, 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 it takes a stripping away of flesh. So then they that right. are in the flesh cannot please the Lord. That's what God said, right, in, in the book of Romans? You know, for the carnal mind or the or the mind of the flesh is an enemy of God, and and and, right. and it can't yield to God. And he says, but they that are led of the Spirit, they yeah. are the sons of God, right? So it is no longer I that live, Paul said, right, but Christ that lives in me, and and I am crucified to the world, and the world is crucified to me, and the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now. So we have to go through this. The penetrating of the bark is essential, and that was in the flesh and the bark and the myrrh. All of it represents what? It represents that this flesh and our desires and, 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 and the fleshly desires of it, which lead us around like some crazy stepchild, right? <laughs> that's that's got to die. And sometimes yeah. it's a painful process. I mean, I'm talking to you about the real gospel here now. And again, are you dinging that bell asking the bus driver to stop the bus so you can get off right now? Because <laughs> you probably are, right? So whoever's letting know you're not, I'm just teasing. But listen, uh, uh, this is where the rubber meets the road. See, the flesh must die. But this is a contrary message. That's why Judas was manifested mm -hmm. after this, right? Because this kind of message, it, it, you know, people can't handle it. People that are on the fringes, pretenders to this Christian walk, you know, the, the 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 goofballs of the pseudo-gospel. Right? All this false preaching, which has led to a generation that sits in its houses today and cowers trying to put another tape on that says you're such a winner. That ain't going to get you through this or what's headed your way and my way. Mary understood. They were getting ready to go through Passover. They're headed to Calvary. It's such a beautiful picture of the process of preparation and the spiritual anointing that will come upon you that will cause you to endure and make it to the end. So the flesh has to die. And remember, this is a process of repeated blows to extract this verb. 
Every day you have to do this. I'm not talking to you about work. I'm not talking to you about fulfilling a list of rules that you come up with that you think make you holy. We're talking about, in essence here, the rejection of the animated rebellion that resides in the bloodstream of our flesh. It is there that sin infected the entirety of the universe. And your body, in essence, is a miniature replica of the rebellion that took place throughout the entire universe. So when we talk about dying to the flesh, that's what we mean, is that the Spirit of God has been departed in you by the Word, and, 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 and it is causing you to be able to subdue and reject and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That is what he's talking about. That is the key component of this anointing that's coming upon this woke church, so to speak, <laughs> this enlightened, I, what do you call that? I pray that you would be filled with the spirit of wisdom and what? Revelation in the knowledge of him, speaking of Jesus Christ. So the flesh must die and it occurs through a process of repeated blows. It requires that. And that simply means I take up my cross daily and follow him. It's a, re a repetition. But look, when myrrh begins to age, something happens to it. When it becomes fine myrrh, after it's been extracted, it turns dark. It becomes dark. And what that means is that through this process, what the Spirit of God is doing is causing a death to self. See, that is where we must come to. And the self we're speaking of is the will and the appetites and the foolishness of your body. And so when myrrh ages, it's beautiful because it darkens, and that represents that as we mature, we begin to die. But what's really cool is that over time, as it darkens, some other process is activated in it. And, and these beautiful white streaks, white, which represents purity, holiness, it, be, it begins to emerge and, and, and overtake the dark lump. And that is so cool to me because it represents that, it, that as we die, the reflection of the life of Christ begins to emerge. And this is a process. It's, a, it's, 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 it's also when it's now ready to become part of of what would be the holy incense used in the temple. And only such myrrh is suitable for that. Nothing less, right? So that's just the myrrh. But now let's go to the spikenard, and, and, and we'll get ready to, to, to close with this, because that was part of what she anointed the feet with as well. She anoints with the spikenard. What's really cool about spikenard is that it's not mentioned until first the myrrh, right? The ointment, the ointment of spikenard, the two. But it, but the spirit has John mentioned the ointment, everything we've been talking about, right? The, the fellowship of his sufferings, all that stuff. Till we get to the spikenard, you don't have spikenard of ointment. You have ointment of spikenard. There's only one way to get to the spikenard, and it's first when this process of the spirit of producing this myrrh, which has two components, both bitter and fragrant, it is the process of the Spirit, and that is what we're going through right now. 
That is what God is doing to this glorious bride now. Remember, she's not even a glorious bride yet, right? She hasn't anointed, the feet's being anointed, but the hair hasn't, hasn't appeared yet in this verse. We still have to go to the spiking art. Now listen, one of the things that is cool about spiking art is they used to take it, the Greek armies used to take spiking art into the battlefield because it's perfect for, for healing battle wounds, right? which is, it, 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 it kind of lends itself to the spiritual warfare that every believer goes through. And what represented in the anointing of the feet, the final part of the body of Christ, will be a key component. It almost speaks of the miraculous, that though we're going to be engaged in this incredible battle and this last seven-year tribulation period, if you will, we're going to have the, the miraculous power upon this kind of a church so that we can endure up under the kind of spiritual warfare we're about to go through. But what's cool about spiking our brother is it grows at the highest altitude in the planet. It grows in the Himalayas. It grows up in those high mountains of China and Tibet and India. That's where they get spiking our from. And and it's it's at the high highest altitude. It represents several things to me. Uh, one, it, it, it's a key component in fellowship with Christ. It kind of reflects the fact that he uh, he first. Uh, would would come and die on the cross, and then he will ascend into heaven, right? Because that's the, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if you can see that. But anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> so it grows at the highest altitude, right? But but uh, it, it, it's interesting because an oil is produced out of it as well. And the oil is only produced one way. You have to crush the root of it. Now I want to describe mm. this plant to you because wow. this is really this is really wow. amazing. It 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 grows at the highest level of the mountains, any bit between nine thousand eight hundred feet and sixteen thousand four hundred feet, right? And so it's at the highest level, and it says mostly in India and China and Tibet up in there. So it's in the Himalayas, right? It's like Mount Everest kind of thing, right? So it's up. It represents heaven, and 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 yet it stands about three feet tall, and then it goes deep into the earth. And in the earth there, it becomes this really uh, big root. It's like the main root. And and you have to crush that root in order to produce this golden oil. So even in that, the Spirit of God, which makes up the myrrh and the spikenard, is telling us that this one who comes from heaven will have to go into the earth. And when he comes up out of the earth, having been crushed, he's going to produce a glorious fragrance, a golden oil, a perfect anointing of the Holy Spirit, right? It's a golden colored oil. And it's only produced by crushing the main root. The main root has to be first buried deep in the ground. And that mm -hmm. is the component of what was happening here. Our identity because Jesus was buried as a result of what? Persecution, right? Calvary. Right. It's part of that which is placed on the feet of Jesus in this anointing. And it is a foreshadow or a hint for he who has ears to see that what was being said to the final body of Christ is that you too, a component of this end time, will be that. That, that you will have to suffer a burial, if you will, or a dying to self, so that the golden oil of the Lord can be produced in this glorious church. It's done by crushing the root, but the root is called a, a, a rhizome. <laughs> That's how you say it. It's R-H-I-Z-O-M-E. 
It's the main root. But what's cool about this root is that there's all these little white roots that come out of it. And unless they're attached to the main root, they're useless. But as long as they're attached to the main root, all those white roots that flow out of the main root, they are also components when they crush all of it together. It is what produces this fragrant oil. It is what preserves and it is what uh, produces uh, the fragrance. So the two <clears throat> have to be combined. And that's what she did. And I went quickly through all this because I could spend at least an hour on many of these points. But the you get the gist of what I believe the Spirit of God is telling us as we go into Passover week. This fellowship that's coming out of this season that we find ourselves in the earth, this final body of Christ is going to be fully understanding the cross and and the golden oil, so to speak, right? It's going to have both. It's going to also reflect how this this death, burial, resurrection, this Gethsemane, Calvary is going to lead with the resurrection. It won't stay in the earth. It comes out of the earth and goes to the highest mountain. We're headed to heaven, right? So, right. so, so this ointment, this spikenard must be mixed it's very costly, as we know, before the foundation of the world. And then it's applied to the feet. That's what's coming to us in a deeper level than we've ever known, so that we will have fellowship with the Lord. When this is applied, and after everything we've been discussing is flowing, that's when our attention is turned to her hair, because that's when the church becomes glorious. And when the church becomes glorious, the whole house will be filled with odor, and there will be perfect fellowship between the head and the feet, between our Lord and his end-time church, between our Lord and the five wise virgins who hear the sound at midnight, who fill their lamps with oil, and together in their fellowship, they go out to meet the bridegroom, for they hear the call of their Savior saying, Behold, I come quickly. So as we begin this Passover week, I felt like the Spirit said, Communicate this so that we can prepare ourselves for what's about to be unveiled this whole week. It's going to be profound in the spirit of the Lord. And I pray that it blessed you today. Brothers, do you have any comments? A powerful, powerful insight and revelation on the uh, myrrh and, and spikenard. I was reminded of what the Apostle Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He said, but we have this treasure. That, and what is the treasure that's inside of us? It's the life of Christ. Yeah, and, and the life of Christ wants to come out forth, out of us, out of our vessel. What is our vessel? Our body, right? Yeah. But, but in order for the life of Christ to come forth, this vessel has to be uh, bruised like the, the 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 tree bark on on the, to bring forth that myrrh, right? The sap. It it has to be bruised. It has to go through through all kinds of things that the Lord allows in our lives. Um, it says that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Praise How does God. he do this? How does he accomplish this? How does he bring out that, that myrrh out of that tree, that thorny tree, that, or, or, or the spikenard out of that root? Well, he, uh, he said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. 
always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest wow. in our body. Yeah, that's great. Amen. Powerful. Powerful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's that's the message, right? Yes, that's exactly it. So so found found with with Brother Fernando, Brother Marty, what you've been sharing, found within this vessel, within this cup, within this ointment and spike yard, and this beauty is also found within it our breaking, uh, the fellowship and his suffering. Uh, there's found uh, God dealing with There's a bitterness in it. Because remember also, and, and I know we're going to get to it in, in the next few days, when Jesus was in Gethsemane, this, this, the Bible says that he was full of sorrow. Yeah. And he said, can this cup and this vessel, can this cup pass from me? You know, Jesus experienced it. Nobody experienced He experienced it at his fullest. But then he right. said, nevertheless, not as I will. And remember, Brother Jeremy, and remember, Brother Jeremy, uh, what he said there. He said, if there be any other way, right? Mm, yes. Can, he can does this cup it. pass from me? Go ahead. That's powerful. And and mm-hmm. the fact is that there isn't, because he quickly says, but nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou yeah. will. And so in it, we see the process, you know, what, what I'm understanding was so much beautiful beauty that came out of this teaching. But but what I'm understanding that in that, in the act of Mary, in that ointment is a fellowship that God is calling us. Remember, as, as you quoted Paul, when he said that we may know him in the power of his resurrection. But what, what we never quote is also what he says after and in the fellowship of yeah. the suffering. And and, yeah. and and believe it or not, there there is a beauty in it because it's 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 the process that every single believer has to go through. Must go through, yes. Must go through. This this is not a a choice. <laughs> it's you must go through it. And uh, man, I, I've been ministered. I know it's ministered to my heart to analyze and and to really in preparation. I think this is a perfect way to start this Passover week in preparation to understand. And, and you know, this is going to give us a better uh, a better understanding of truly what our Lord Jesus Christ went through. Yeah. And so we pray that you you have been blessed. And please join us tomorrow uh, and tell others, tell others, invite them to come and see. We're we're, we're going to go into Passover, and I know God is going to do some great things. Might as well make this a a podcast camp meeting because this is what it is. Join us. <laughs> God is revealing His word. I mean, where are you going to go to church to, right? Just join us. You know, yeah. sit and eat. Let us have a camp meeting here. Amen. And and, Amen. and share this word because God, uh, something beautiful is happening. Something beauty. Something yes. beautiful is taking place in our hearts as as we are being molded and transformed and. And this is yes. the place that where God wants his church at his feet. That's where uh, I want to be this week. That's where I want to be going into Passover at his feet like Mary. Hallelujah. Yes, and Mary. so be blessed. We love you. And we thank you for tuning in with us. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And Lord willing, we'll come back to you tomorrow. God bless you. And keep looking up.